Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Hi guys, thanks for downloading episode 95. The Premiership has kicked off once again for the 2018-19 season and we've got a lot to talk about. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, uh, welcome back uh, again. Apologies for the delay in uh, getting an episode out to you. It's becoming a bit of a theme. We will do our best to uh, to get things back on track and get a more regular um, get more reg- episodes out to you more regularly. But um, in the meantime, it does mean we've got loads to talk about. And of course, to do that with me, I'm joined by Dan. Hi, mate. Hey, buddy. And but in fairness, we had the wedding. And then I was sunning myself in Spain, and you were running around all week trying to find cat food. So, this you is, know, this is, it's been busy. This is true. This is true. We have been busy, but that's no excuse. We it have, is no excuse. We have a job to do. Uh, uh, but but the, the good news is it's given it's given a number of our, our diehard fans uh, a chance to reach out, and we've got loads of questions from a, from a number of emails. Uh, I'm going to go through a few of them today. Um, give us something to talk about, and then I know that you've got some stuff you want to talk about a little bit later on. Uh, just before, uh, yeah. just before I start that, we've had another review, short and sweet. Uh, it's from Bobbit Twenty Three. The name rings a bell. I think Does it? Yeah, I don't know why. As in, I think we may have had something from him before, but uh, it was, okay. this was posted recently. It's five stars. He said, "I really enjoy the podcast, guys. I'm looking forward to the international game coverage from you. Keep up the good work and great banter." So Legend. You, Thanks, Bobbit. Bobbit23. Um, Bobbit23. I'm going to pretend that Bobbit23 previously hated us and we've turned him around like we've done with all the others. But uh, I no, 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 no. He sent a nice one. I, I think I think he's uh, I, I think he's a set to us. I think he's one of our... Maybe he's emailed. One of our, uh, Maybe he's emailed us before and and couldn't get the you know couldn't work out because Apple certainly don't make it easy to uh, to post reviews on iTunes, but. Maybe that was what it was. He's emailed us and said he was going to review us, and now he has done. Uh, Either way, the guy, the guy, the guy has been nice, and he says some very clever stuff. He's a legend. <laughs> you like? Fair enough. So there you go. For another five stars, always appreciated. Um, so yes, yeah, so on to a few of these emails. First one uh, is from Toby Seller. Uh, he titles the email "Questions?" Question <laughs> mark. He says, "Hi guys." Yeah. To make up for the disgraceful lack of emails to the pod, I have a few questions. Yeah. I'm assuming he means a disgraceful lack of emails from himself, or is he suggesting well, that I think he means not enough people are emailing us? Well, th- this yeah. week, this week's making up for it. He says, being a diehard rugby fan, as I know you two are, uh, it's always frustrating seeing football as a more popular sport than rugby. Why do you think, in our country at least, footy is played and watched more than a rugger? And do you think that rugby is getting more popular here? Cheers, guys. The pod's doing great. Don't worry. I've le- already left my five stars. P.S. Would love a player profile on Manu Tuolagi. Oh, good call. So uh, you... Thanks. Thanks. Sorry, was it Toby? Uh, it was Toby. Toby Seller. Yeah. F- uh, thanks, Toby. I-, I think the I think the short answer to that is accessibility from a football versus rugby perspective, isn't it? Football's... Um... So the, the reality is, if, if you think like football is played more widely, more fan, but also in a park, you can just chuck down some jumpers and have a game of football. You can't really do that. Rugby. I don't know. I, I, like, OK, the, the contact side of it, sure. But, you know, you could just as easily play a game like, of touch. 
but yeah, you can do a good game of touch, but it's not quite the same, is it? Like you haven't really put together a full scrum and. No, um, but I suppose you know, take New Zealand as a, as an example. You know that th- that same rule applies. You know, they it's easier for them to put down a football and kick a ball around, and and yet, you know, from the age of about three, it's almost like a religion. Don't don't even speak to me about New Zealand. They're really pissing me off at the moment. They are so good. Wow. They are. Did you see them against Australia? Uh, I I didn't. I did see reviews, um, and we will definitely need to be discussing that later because uh, I've got. Yeah, we will discuss that later because they're annoying me. How good they are. But um, uh, sorry, you know, to yeah, be the best, you've got to beat the best. So, yeah, know, we, we want them to be that good. And then we just want to be better. That's the key. Exactly. But yeah, back to that. I mean, look, I think the football rugby team also is for tradition, isn't it? Football is a lot more widely played. I, by the way, Toby, I completely agree with you. It, it pisses me off. Football pisses me off generally. Um, although I do still watch a fair bit of it. But it's... Um, I think rugby is growing, definitely. I think it's becoming more accessible. It has traditionally been a, like a public school game, and I think it's getting a lot more accessible. I think there's still a hell of a long way to go, but I do think it is becoming more accessible. The only thing that worries me is the amount of press going on around uh, sort of concussions, head injuries, whether that's going to deter some people or certainly maybe parents deter parents from, like, encouraging their kids to play i don't know but that's the only thing that i think might put a bit of a spanner in the works yeah i i don't disagree um it's 100 percent becoming more accessible um you know, yeah you, you don't have to go back that far to see most rugby players certainly in england you know posh public school boys you know they were the only ones that had access to it um, and now you see people from all walks of life um, who simply identify that you know with a game that's awesome, um, and yeah. and you know it's it's not a game where people fall around on the floor pretending to be injured to try and pick up penalties. <laughs> Instead, they you know try their hardest to not be seen to have fallen down on the floor when in fact they're dying somewhere. Um, you know, it's, there's just it's 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 one of those games that's. I think appeals to people in a way that it never used to. Um, and, Definitely, and, and sorry, carry on. Sorry. Well, no, and I was going to say, and from a fan's perspective, you know, I don't know when the last time you went to a football match was, but um, you know, I went to one a few years ago and kind of went, I just don't really want to do this again because it's not enjoyable in the same way. Like half the people, I and mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but you know, a huge proportion of the people that go to these games are there for the wrong reasons. I mean, we've got a friend who's got a, uh, well, used to, his company used to have a box at um, the Emirates. Went to a few games um, to watch Arsenal play. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah, No, 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 it's, it's, it's great. Obviously, having a box, it's a completely different experience. I really enjoyed that. But it, the, the box itself sits just above the away stand and you sit there looking over the balcony just going... Yeah, these people, like 50% of them, they spend the entire match just staring at each other, you know, across the divide, where the, where the away yeah, fans 50, meet. 50%, the, 50% of a no, higher. It's probably an exaggeration, but certainly, yeah. uh, you know, too, t- far too many are more concerned about shouting abuse at other fans across the sort of the, the, the barrier, the divide, than they are in actually watching the game and seeing what's going on. And it's, I find it bizarre. Like, you're spending all this money on tickets, and then, yeah, they're, they're not cheap. 
to go no, and, no, and not. not and not really pay that much attention to the game. Whereas you go to rugby and everyone is absolutely, you know, focused on the game. The fans intermingle, they banter with each other. It's fun. It's family friendly. Um, and you know that that's only good for the game. And I, and I think more and more people, you know, more and more people I speak to who are football fans first and foremost, you know, when it comes to taking their kids to games. They're thinking, you know, they're, they're they're moving towards the rugby because it's just better for kids. So, so, yeah, I I I completely agree with that. Um, with regards to the football thing, I in all honesty, I don't really care about that. I mean, let that do. There's, so, from my perspective, a few points, and uh, then I got a question I wanted to ask you on this actually. So, I also think the top level international players are becoming more uh, sort of celebritized if that's a word yeah and that is automatically going to give it more uh some more knowledge but you see the likes of maro toje doing quite a few ads and things i think johnny wilkinson was the original to the, go wide exactly and and i think that helps but here's the question i have for you so you're saying about going to games so i was having a chat with a few of the rugby boys man where i lived the other day and we're saying because uh, we were talking about the a-league games in the premiership um I'm just saying, you know, if I live by a stadium, I'd go every Monday night and watch an A-League game. It's like two quid to get in or whatever, or even three, I think. And I love going to rugby games. However, on an England game, if it's like a Six Nations, I'd love to be at Twickenham. But I almost prefer watching an England game on the TV I, I, than I, being at Twickenham. Yeah, I know what you mean. But Purely from a rugby point of view. I think that, that's, a, that's a hardcore fan thing. You, you, we, you and I, we're, we're, we're on the same page you know, in that respect, we'd rather watch it so we can see absolutely everything that happens and listen to the commentary yeah. and, and see every breakdown and, you know, but I think it, it's a different experience. You know, I, we, we've both been to Twitter on numerous occasions. Yeah. It's a different experience. Um, but so I, and I think that, I think there's an element of that that's probably the same in football and, and across all sports, you know, the diehard fans that are, that are really interested in the, in the game itself. They want to see all the details. Um, but I don't know. It's, yeah, it's 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 just it is becoming more accessible for sure. Um, in, in answer to his question, um, and I think the other the other thing, of course, is let's not forget. You know, football, and it's still you know miles ahead uh, in this respect. But football pays so much money. So you have these young kids growing up thinking, "How can I get rich doing something that I that I enjoy?" And they all want to be footballers and earn millions and millions of pounds. And you know that's that's great if you're. You know, the, Would you the, rather be a professional footballer or a professional rugby player? Be honest. For for the for the the job itself, rugby. With, but but, I, with, but with, fo- that goes but with the football salary, please. Um, but the, but yeah. I think though, as you know, we're seeing the the salaries in rugby going up all the time. You know, players are uh, often now with sponsorship deals and everything else thrown in on half a million quid a year. Now you can't really <laughs> complain about half a million pounds a year. So I think fo- I think rugby, sorry, is is definitely becoming a sport that now appeals to youngsters in that respect you know they look at it and think oh i could i can i can be you know a wealthy person at the same time. yeah it, whereas, whereas perhaps it wasn't that long ago well it wasn't that long ago when first it was amateur and then even when it became professional you you, you got paid a fairly standard salary um you know better than average but but not my, not a lot whereas these days it is an elite sport in terms of what it pays so I think that probably helps as well um, I hope it doesn't go the same way as football I hope we don't start seeing people getting paid millions um, but inevitably it's going to keep going up isn't it because 
know, well, the, the, the problem is, so, so there was, um, and I don't know this guy's name, but I think he was like the head of the Gallagher Premiership or something of the sort of organisation. And he was saying, it's just not sustainable for the wages to keep going up. So the only team in the Premiership that made profit last year was Exeter. Really? I think it was Saracens who lost 8 million, and or Saracens or Quinns. One lost 8 million, one lost 6 million. I mean, how sustainable is that? Mm. I mean, luckily they've got rich guys behind it, but that's... Well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we watch this space and, and see, but um, I, hopefully that's answered uh, Toby's question as far as uh, yeah, football versus rugby. Um, in, in reference to the other thing he said about the player profile on Manny Tuolagi, consider it um, on the on the, 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 the checklist of what's coming soon. because um, I that, too, Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good I one too soon. would like uh, a player profile on Manitoulagi, So I'm looking um, forward to you doing it, mate. <laughs> me too. Uh, I think <laughs> most of our listeners are. That's the one when you're away, right? <laughs> I, just, I just... The, the research, I was just going to club off on you. Uh, Maybe even a joint effort. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be unique. Um, okay, cool. So... Nice. Appreciate that, Toby. Uh, keep those emails coming, guys. So our, our next one is from... This one threw me a bit. It's, it's Felix Rusby, which is uh, uh, Rusby. Is that, is that, that could be his name, because I can't understand how that would be a play. I, I don't think it's a typo, <laughs> given that it's actually come up as his name. Rather. Uh, maybe his name, yeah. Maybe his name, so yeah. I think he's called Felix Rusby. Um, That's a cool name, it's- it is, if it's for someone who's into rugby. Anyway, he says, Hi, England Rugby Pod. Uh, as my mail heading would suggest, which he says, Oh, that's, yeah, I should start with that, actually. The title of his email is, You Make Bod Look Like an Amateur. Ah, oh, legend. Uh, he says, as my, as my email heading would suggest, you two are both founts of knowledge. Uh, when it comes to rugby expertise, there's no <laughs> duo wiser or pair more informed <laughs> than you two. I didn't write this. Uh, yeah, I would, I'm going to say for I would have I written to you both. Familiar. I would have written you both a five-star review, but alas, I listened to you both on Spotify, so I don't think I'm able to give you uh, the stars that you deserve. When I first listened to you, lads, I was slow to give my favour, having come from listening to Hugo Monnier and Chris Jones on the Rugby Union Weekly, uh, who we've obviously mentioned before. Uh, however, you won me over. I love that you guys give honest, down-to-earth opinions with a bit of dreaming thrown in too. But most of all, it's yeah. great that you post uh, throughout the year. Uh, and during the off season, um, when there's no English rugby to watch, you keep me going, keep it up. So to you, apologies that it's taken us so long to get this episode out. We will try our best to keep them more regular. He goes on. How? Oh, oh, there's sorry, more. There's more. How? Uh, good, good. Carry on. Uh, I have a few questions to ask you guys. Hopefully you'll be able to discuss them on the next pod. Here we go. Uh, first of all, with the new Premiership season kicking off on the 31st, I wanted to ask what you thought about the state of the English Premiership and whether it's conductive to a strong England team. Uh, I think this issue has two or three points. I go to university in Bristol and I'm excited to see how the Bears do this season. But I wonder hang, how... Hang on, hang on. Is it, is it UE or is it Bristol? Uh, he's not on the phone, mate. <laughs> I know, Andy. I thought you would know. I don't. Okay, sorry, carry on. Shall I continue? <laughs> Please do. Okay. Uh, where did I get to? Um, state of the English Premiership, uh, whether it's conducted a strong in the team. I think the issue has two, three points. Uh, yeah, as I say, Brist goes to Bristol. 
He's excited to see how the Bears do this season, but I wonder how they'll cope in the top tier of English rugby. It's always been notoriously difficult for clubs to make the transition, and I worry the issue remains. What do you think about the possibility of ring-fencing the Premiership, which would give teams the security and time to develop? I'm going to go through all the questions, because otherwise, and then we'll come back to the yeah. answers. Uh, furthermore, and this is something that I've wondered for a while, how important do you think it is for good players to be playing in winning clubs? Danny Cipriani has just moved to Gloucester, which as a cherry and white fan makes me very happy. But do you think it's important that Gloucester is doing well for him to be recognised? Um, and this applied to players like George Ford at Leicester, had a bad season. Uh, he loses his place in the England... So, sorry, so he says, yeah, George Ford at Leicester, Leicester have a bad season, he loses his place in England, uh, in the England side. Uh, but perhaps a more significant example as the European power of rugby shifted with Leinster taking the trophy from Saracens, we also saw England fall away and Ireland rise to prominence. Must a club be successful for its players to be successful or, or can players still be world-class in less classy teams? Uh, finally, uh, also I wanted to know what you think about developing players. I went to primary school with Joe Cockenhaseger, though I was the rugby player back then. He only wanted to play football. And he seems to be coming through pretty well. Likewise, Marcus Smith and the other backs are looking promising. But there's been quite a lot of uh, comments suggesting that England, sorry, English rugby doesn't produce quality English flankers. Apparently, they're encouraged to hit the gym, but not really to compete at the breakdown. What do you think? And more generally, does English and perhaps European rugby encourage a philosophy, a philosophy of size over skill, where the South develops skills better? There's some more, but we'll, we'll do that in a minute because this is getting on a bit. We're going to forget what, what yeah, yeah, we're well, going to answer. So we'll go through. These are actually really good questions. It, so firstly, the first point, how fickle am I? Felix says nice stuff. You and I have known each other for 20 years. We were flatmates for God knows how long. I consider him as close a friend as I consider you just because he said nice stuff. Um, I'm actually updating my Facebook profile now. Uh, the stuff that, so the questions, and I'm probably doing this in the wrong order, but I had that written down, exactly that, about the success of the club versus the player. Because Northampton uh, last year obviously had a shocking year, as did Quinn's. And you look, Rob Shaw and Danny Clare didn't have a great year for England. Courtney Laws wasn't first choice for England. Uh, Dylan Hartley was injured, so that's slightly different. But I do think that matters. Mm -hmm. I think if you're playing for a successful club, that does make a difference to how you're playing for England as well. Not, I don't know how big a difference. I don't think. Yeah, I was. I think the key thing here here is, you know, we're not suggesting that you have to be the number one team. You know, we're not suggesting that that England should be the best team in the Premiership. You know, like yeah, in Argentina, for example, the way that they, you know, use pretty much one team to make up their entire inter right. international side. But I think you have to be certainly the top half of the table. Like the players, players who are trying to. It's not just about being noticed, I don't think, either. You know, you, you, I think you, you, you naturally, at all levels, raise your game if you're playing with better players. Uh, they also give you opportunities to do more. Um, you know, we'll come on to Cipriani and, and what he... Well, actually, no, that's something for later. And <laughs> Moment of Genius. So perhaps that's slightly sure. different. But I think, yeah, you definitely need form. Um, you know, form creates form, doesn't it? So, so I, I have a slight fear about this. I don't know necessarily if it's about winning and losing. I think it's about the uh, sort of the camp, how happy the camp is. So someone like, for example, someone like Worcester with the bent here, they know they're going to be towards the bottom of the table. And I say that with all due respect to them. So it's not necessarily, you know, it's not 
they're not completely dismantled. Whereas you look at Quinn's last year, there were some major issues there. There was a lot of infighting. There was a lot of problems. And I think that is where the impact happened. I think mm. if the players are sort of pissed off, not happy, not like falling out of love with rugby, that's where I think the major issue is. I don't necessarily... Winning, losing, of course, because like you say, form does create form. So that plays a part. But I think more than anything, it's the sort of uh, mental side, like how happy are the people generally in rugby? You know, are they coming from a good environment? Because um, even if the England environment's good, if you're coming into that, I mean, the shit environment, you're almost exhausted before you start. Yeah. Mentally. I, I guess as well, performance probably over over results. You know, a, a, a team that wins ugly on a regular basis um, probably isn't going to... You, you, t- you take it, you know, as a club and, and, and for, for the results, but, but in terms of the impact that has on a player for how he's going to perform, you know, clearly if you're winning ugly, the, the players are not performing... At the best of their ability, they're, they're, you know, there's an important there's an important lesson in that that you know that ability to get the win at all costs, and that's a value uh, at international level as well, particularly in knockout rugby. But I don't know. Yeah, in, in terms of applying it to what this what the, the question here is, um, it's a really good point I think that he's making. But Felix is saying, um, I think yeah, I mean, the, bo- the bottom line is if you're if you're performing really badly, then for sure it's gonna it's gonna impact. In, you know. Barring very special individuals, it's going to impact you know, your performances on the pitch in an England shirt. Um, you know, unless I and I think the thing with Worcester, the big one there is that um, Ben Teo is kind of out on his own. Yeah, it, it's, it was, it's not like there's it, a group of them. It. It's not like there's a group of England players who are all in this kind of losing mentality. It's one guy, and he knows there's only so much he can do. But almost in his situation, it's different because you flip it on his head and say, you know, he's still with them because it's out of a sense of pride. You know, he has pride in that shirt that he's wearing, and and if anything, that maybe oh, despite the results, wow. gives him that little that little extra boost. I mean, he's 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 said, hasn't he, that he's um he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Wasn't he looking? Wasn't he looking around this summer? Sorry. Wasn't he looking around this summer? No, I think I think people were probably sniffing around him, but I think he said, "You know, I've got a contract, oh, okay, and, and it lasts until whenever it is, and I'm not I'm not interested in breaking it." So, um, unless a lot of he, money comes off, he's he's gonna when the contract comes to an end, he's gonna move. He's gonna need to because I yeah. do I do think it's holding him back from being the best that he can be. Which maybe maybe that's the answer to the question. Maybe yeah. that's another point as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a mixture of everything. To, to be the best that you can be, you need to be surrounded by the best players and you need to be performing at the very top level. And I suppose the other thing, let's not forget, is the teams at the bottom are not getting as much um, exposure to kind of the, the other top teams outside of just the Premiership. You know, your Saracens yeah. and, and the like, you know, they're getting to play the Leinsters of this world, uh, which is, you know, massive experience. Uh, in terms of playing different, playing against, I suppose, different styles of rugby, if the Premiership is a particular style. So I think there's there's huge advantage in, in in that as well. And obviously, to to get that, you've got to be in a in a team that's performing. So I think, well, that, well, mate, I think we absolutely bossed that question. I think so. I think he'll be happy. Yeah, I think so. uh, what was well, this? I hope so. I hope you're happy, Felix. Wasn't there one before it though? Yeah, uh, there was, but you kept interrupting me, and it's all gone. I was talking specifically about. Bristol and how he's hoping that Bristol are going to do well this season but are we concerned that teams coming up into the Premiership struggle 
Was that it? Uh, I, I thought that. So I, I know that's a point. I thought there was one just before. Um, do, do you not have it? Uh, it doesn't matter. So, um, so, so look at the Bristol thing. I think, yeah, if the teams coming up to the Premiership would struggle. Where it's slightly different because it was so hard for them to sign players because of the playoff system. So players aren't necessarily going to commit until they know that the team's going to be a Premiership club. But they've ditched the playoff system now, haven't they, in the uh, championship? So, um, so with that ditch, you know, players will be like, look, Bristol will be and everyone there are clearly going to be promoted because it's not going to go down to a one-off day or one-off two days from a sort of playoff final. Um, so I think you can plan earlier, which I think is massive help. Yeah. And and I think Bristol are slightly unique as well. I mean, just the amount they spent on players. I mean, Charles Pierce has probably on a million a year. Um, they've got the money and they've got a good team. Uh, watching them, so I watched them um, play against Bath. By the way, this that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I'm just digressing a little bit. So I was uh, on the holiday with Sarah and we were, and I said, oh, I've can we go into town so I can watch the Bristol Bath match at the sports bar? For those of you yeah, listening, um, and, and obviously don't know who Sarah is, she's Dan's girlfriend. Well, you... easy. Easy. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it is my girlfriend. But either way, so I was with her and said, can we, can we watch it? So I'm there watching the match. On the next TV is Miss Universe. And then the bikini thing comes on. Do you know how hard it is when you're with your missus? to try not to look at them walking out in bikinis. It was literally, I, it was so impressive the way I just managed to roll the eyes so I could take in both the rugby and the Miss Universe bikinis. Are you, I feel like you've stopped listening. Uh, I, sorry, mate, were you talking? I, I, <laughs> you sure? I thought you'd be Felix, Felix, I can only apologise. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I can only control one half, one half of this pod. <laughs> but to get back to the Bristol point, yeah, I think that is, a fair point. Clubs coming up are going to struggle. I personally don't want them to ring fence for Premiership. I, I just, it, I think it takes away so much from it if you don't have relegation, if you don't have promotion from a championship. Um, what I'd like to see is uh, the RFU put more money into, or I, I don't know the answer to this, but I'd like the championship, perhaps the clubs, like more on loan. So like the players from the Premiership clubs can go more on loan to the championship. Do you know what I would like? Oh. I'd like there to be a draft. Like they have in American okay. football. So, I, but where did the draft come from? from? From all the players that come up into, you know, each, each season, all the new players. Maybe even do a, do a mixture. Move around some of the, the top players as well. Just basically get get it so that <laughs> you don't you don't just get one club and and that one. I'm, club. I'm not sure you. So I like the concept I get, but I'm not sure you've thought this through. If Saracens, for argument's sake, have spent I don't know five years bringing the player through their academy, spending lots of money, they don't want to then release him to the draft. Well, so maybe there's there's caveats. You know, if you if you bring the player through yourself, then then you can keep them out of the draft or. You know, so, so maybe a draft, but but then where do the players come from? Just thin air. I don't know, mate. This is not. It's not my job to work out. I just, I just like the idea of mixing up and creating a more, a more level playing. I don't know. It's probably a really bad idea. It's. I, I, I I'm jealous when I see people getting together to do draft parties for the for the NH uh, the NHS. No, the uh, the NFL. 
um, and it I just looks like a lot of fun, and I don't really understand it. So um, I figure if they it's, can do it with all their padding, we can do it with our with our hardcore uh, occasional shoulder pads. I, I think I think we can sort of say that that's not going to work, but. I don't. So, what are your thoughts on that, though? Do you want? Would you like the Premiership to be ring fenced? No, so that no, no, no. You, you, I, I, I see the benefit to it, but I, I think it takes away so much from it. Yeah, t- totally. And 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 there's and play and teams at the at the bottom have have nothing to watch. You know, they can just be like, oh, we'll just play. We'll play a weak side because it doesn't really matter. We've lost now anyway. Do, um. Yeah. Do you know? Like, I just no. I think I think there always has to be a a kind of a. A consequence to losing. So, so I agree with that. And but, like one of the things that is quite interesting. So, this is why the ring fencing thing in my head is still a possibility. I wouldn't want it, but so and this probably won't happen. But Elim Turfinders in the championship, and um, they actually got beaten fairly easily by London Irish. But they are potentially one of the contenders to win the championship, allegedly beforehand. But they don't really have the ability to be a Premiership team. Yeah, well, this this is the issue with a few of them, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So if one of the teams did win it, and it's like you won, but you can't come up anyway. So maybe, I think there's only maybe, maybe you have to give up. Maybe you have to give up your stadium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just give up your stadium. Um, yeah, no, I don't. So know. That, you're, you're right. Uh, that it's, it's it, there isn't a simple solution, but um, I think ring fencing is a, would be a mistake. I think it would. Uh, I think it would just, you know, f- fans as well, you know, fans who are supporting teams in the championship, you know, they want their teams to get up into the premiership. Um, and I think you'd lose some of that if, if there wasn't that option. Yeah, you, yeah, you absolutely would. It is, I mean, so that's the thing, winning the premiership, fine. But if you're a championship team, winning the championship without promotion, if you're just like, okay, we would top of the league... <laughs> We'll go again next year. It's not you, you can't. You're not the best club in Britain because it's a Premiership. I, I, I don't like ring fencing. I, I, I understand why it's in theory a good idea because it gives clubs time to sort of solidify, spend money on getting players without having to worry about getting relegated and not being able to afford the salaries and everything. But and it also means that from a, from an individual player's point of view, you know, coming up the ranks, the only way they're ever getting to the top tier is it by moving clubs you know they can't they can't be involved in, in yeah kind of, you know helping their team like, to get like, there. Things... like sorry so, so sorry so like uh, they have seen who won the championship of Exeter then won the premiership of Exeter well exactly you know so, yeah. massive massive thing yeah. um so yeah I think the answer there is simply no we do not agree with the idea of ring fencing the premiership um, but we're going to let someone else come up with a solution to the problems that you mentioned. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure we are. We, we we absolutely bossed the first one. I think we absolutely didn't boss. This well, one. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so the next one he that he's already asked us was about um, size over skill. Do we? Think... So to me, sorry. No, do you want to, to go? yeah. Just refreshing the question here. Do we think the Premiership has a, a bit of a sort of ethos of size over skill, where perhaps the the Southern Hemisphere develops skills first? Not, not that I think that, that you can look at them and say that they're not big enough in the Southern well, Hemisphere. Well, the, the All Blacks are not huge. Their backs aren't huge. So I, I I agree with his point. I think we put too much emphasis on size. I would like to see personally less subs. 
Yeah. I, I don't think you need less. So, so people have to be fitter so they can last 80 minutes. And I think that might help with injuries as well, because otherwise players have specifically been built for 30 minutes and they've just been built up and built up. And there's such a weight emphasis and a sort of size emphasis. I mean, rugby I... is a game of evasion and it's a game of skill. I still truly believe that. And I think you need to put, and I, and I wish that was enabled, but like I say, a good big and better than a good little one. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that one, it leads into something we're going to talk about a little bit later on when we discuss the All Blacks. But um, I, part of me does think, well, hold on, you know, there, there are, the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere have very different styles. You know, in the Northern, in the Southern Hemisphere, you see massive score lines. And, and sometimes that can mean, you know, one, you know, a very one sided game. But to me, a lot of Southern Hemisphere rugby leans, too much towards sevens with fifteen men on the pitch or thirty men on the pitch, um, and and I think there's there's a lot more to rugby than just flinging the ball wide and you know getting guys with a lot of pace and the ability to do ridiculous steps to kind of run round their opposite men. Um, yeah, but haven't haven't they addressed that quite a lot? I mean, the All Blacks' defence is awesome. No, no. So this is before we go on to the to, to discussing them in in particular. I'm just looking at the the northern versus southern size versus skill kind of mm. debate. Um, and you know, do, are we are we full of players that are all just too big? You know, the only the only guy that springs to mind when you think of kind of Jim Bunny and and rugby is James Haskell. No, so I think he's all right. Well, I do I too. I don't think he actually sit, sits in that bracket, at least not Mate, anymore. There was a time. Skelton. Look at look at some of the second row. And you even hear the likes of someone like Sam Warburton. He's not his natural size. No. Um, and a lot of these players aren't their natural size. So, But if you look at the England the team, kind of as it roughly stands at the moment, who would you say is too big? The pack. Well, no, but who, who, who specifically? Like, who, who would you would you say needs to trim down and and work on their pace rather than? Like, I'm just I'm trying so, picturing the team, and I'm thinking who there isn't really anyone. You know, I don't look like I don't look at a, a Rob Shaw and think, well, you're too big, mate. You need to just work on your pace so, and get smaller. Yeah, I mean, Rob Shaw's workhorse, but you know, Billy, think- Billy's trimmed down, but then he was just a bit overweight before. You've got you know the front, yeah, yeah, the front row maybe yeah. with you know at least been on the chicken not, nugs not with Mac it, Maco um, but um, he's been on the chicken nugs as well yeah but like no you know Courtney Laws okay he's a big guy but he's not like you know he doesn't walk around with with a, a twelve pack and biceps that are bigger than most people's thighs so, so, so he's just he's just a bit of a tree you know you look at um, who who else who 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 do you think. He's no, kind so, of so too I think it's quite interesting. In the England team, actually, I don't think there is a major problem. But in the Premiership, I think there are players who have just bulked up for yeah. the sake of it. But maybe that's the answer: the fact that the guys getting through to England because international rugby is so intense, you must have that fitness as well. So maybe the size thing isn't. But equally, maybe these players are like, I'm probably not going to make it anyway. Well, that, that's and the clubs it, just If I haven't got the the skill to make it, maybe I can get massive and and do it that way. But when you're playing against you know world class sides, they can deal with you regardless of your size. So um, yeah, I think I think. And, and I want to be a bit careful because when I was just to go Exeter, Exeter Leicester, that game when I was watching that, 
Exeter, like Matt Kvesic, was probably the player of the whole week across the board at flanker. And, and actually, we'll cover the other question of this because um, Felix said about flankers, so we're not producing flankers. I would say we haven't been, but at the moment, I think we've got a load of good choices. Uh, we've got the Curries, we've got Sam Underhill, we've got Kvesic. But Kvesic has really bulked up, but he was still mobile with it. Sam Simmons, when I saw him, and, and maybe I... I don't know, maybe I'm getting this wrong. But to me, I was like, he looks so much bigger, bulkier. And it actually annoyed me. I was like, no, because he's, you know, part of him was his pace. But he seems to have kept that. He doesn't seem to have gone too big. I wonder, you know, the thing with Sam Simmons, we've both said we'd love to see him at six. Uh, Eddie has said he's an eight. I wonder if Eddie has said to him, you know, you're you're a number eight, not not a flanker for us. And therefore, you need to get bigger. So that's actually that's actually a good point. So saying who's too big? To me, Nathan Hughes is huge, and that that's fine for number eight. He's but na- he, him versus Tim, he's naturally he doesn't have that big. Yeah, he's he? naturally he's a big more of a guy. lump. He's not. I, I wouldn't look at him and think he's he's someone who spends too much time in the gym. Um, I but I, I, but I do think that Nathan Hughes way. is skill uh, is um, size over skill personally. Yeah, and, and so that's what I'm saying. Whereas with Sam Simmons, who's got that, so, so that'll be interesting comparing those two, sort of seeing who Eddie goes for, because Sam Simmons needs sort of more skill. He's got the more agility as well, whereas Nathan Hughes, just, uh, just a lump. But that's, I mean, that sounds disrespectful. I don't mean it like that, but yeah. that's why where his, uh, you, you know, that's his sort of USP or such. Yeah, well, Felix's final question is actually still on on topic because uh, he said, um, "Sorry, this email's so long. Uh, we hadn't noticed, Felix. Uh, injuries and subs. Last season saw more injuries than ever, and a lot of people have been claiming it's down to the size and physicality of modern players. What do you think of the suggestion of reducing the number of subs, as you've mentioned? The theory is without fresh, tactically replaced subs coming on, tearing into uh, tearing into tired players, players will have to, have to be fitter, lighter, and won't be going up against fresh opposition when tired. What do you think?" So it's kind of just following on from what you've already said, but I, I agree. I think he's, you know, he's spot on. Uh, it's, it's a good, yeah. It's again a good point. I, I would like to see that. I would like to see less subs and players. It, what, it, what do we almost think? Almost annoying. Squad I, of twenty, or is that too? Take is taking away three too many. I mean, I guess I want, the big question: Should the front row be able to last eighty minutes? I mean, they should, right? Yeah, I want every player to be able to last eighty minutes. Um, but you know what? What is it? Is it seven? Can you use eight subs now? You can use all eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you can use them. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to be able to use two or three. So have have eight, but you can only use a few of them. So yeah, you can, unless so you, it's so depending uh, on what you need. So so they so they become so they actually they go back to being reserves. They go back to being replacements rather than finishers, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what I'd like to, and I know it's a tough one because. It almost adds excitement to the game, bringing on the fresh legs and keeping the intensity. But actually, I think it adds to be excitement where people are tired because more gaps open up. And yeah. So, I, I, w- I personally would like to see, yeah, two or three subs, three maximum, um, and see players actually, yeah, start using it. You know, having to be fitter, probably slightly leaner. They'll, they'll still be huge. Let's face it. They'll still be huge, but just that bit leaner. The injury thing, it's hard to know. Does the try? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that. I think one of the things with the injury is 
the more awareness of it now. It's been recorded more, so it's it's more in your face. So you think um, a, lot, a lot of the injuries are things that people would have had in the past and just shoved an ice pack on and then got on with it the following week, whereas now it's I'm being identified as, as more of a thing that needs conditioning and therefore it's being reported as... Yeah, no, I, right, I'm talking shit. I think, I think size does make a massive difference because, so like, I, I was thinking in my head, I was thinking like the concussions and things in the old days, just like get over it. Whereas now people are a lot more aware of it. But I was thinking actually a lot of the players, like pretty much every top level premiership player is going to have to have a couple of surgeries throughout their career. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that is to do like these guys are absolute machines now. It's It's definitely a debate that will rage on. Um, and it's it's a tough one to know what to do because you know as the fans we, we want to see these guys we want them to be big and you know and sort of gladiatorial um, but equally yeah we don't we don't want to see particularly you know the likes of Billy and Manu you know these guys that we that we desperately want to see um, performing for England and constantly injured um, you know we want we want to save them up for the big games but we also need them to be playing in between in order to be at their best so uh yeah don't know what the solution is but what why not test a a change to the subs ruling and, and see if that has an impact yeah um, it's none of this is going to happen before the world cup though is no, it so no, so it's not so for now let's just robotize robotize why, why am i making that word i don't know let's just <laughs> robotize our players so that they turn up to world cup like Six, eight, and then twenty-four stone each. I mean, that's the other, it? yeah. Take take the whole size versus skill thing, and actually say, all right, well, let's make it a thing. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're all, just, they're all, you know, subhuman. No, not subhuman. <laughs> the opposite. Fifteen, fifteen lomus. Yeah, exactly. Like like you used to get in in the lomu game. When you when you unlock the bonuses. Oh, mate, that, team, that was a amazing. team of 15 Lomu's. I think it was, yeah, 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 Team Lomu. And you also had like Rage and things. Lomu Rugby is the greatest of the computer game. Uh, um, anyway, so he finishes up his email with a uh, few. I think that's enough for one email. I think we probably agree, but uh, really appreciate one, it. Though. He says, keep up the great work, guys. Absolutely love your pod. Let the chariot keep swinging. Um, Legend, so, Felix. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Uh, and... Yeah, guys, keep these emails coming. It gives us loads to talk about. Where are we at? We're, we're three quarters of an hour already, and we've still got another email to go. Should um, we save that for next week? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, so, Joe, we'll Joe, we have got your email. We haven't forgotten you, but um, yeah, time is time is of the essence. So we will uh, cover your questions in our next episode. Um, but uh, yeah, really appreciate that, that guys. It's uh, it's it's really helpful for us to give us. Um, kind of inspiration as to what to talk about in the episodes and um, and hopefully it just makes things quite interesting uh, for, for you guys listening just to kind of hear our views on your opinions and your questions uh, yeah so so yeah just moving on so there's a few other points I, I, I'm not looking to do the sort of review of the premiership from last weekend it was, it was a good start actually some interesting but a few key points Gloucester Northampton so as as Felix said, if Northampton look, one match in, let's not start saying they're going to have a shit season. Let's not blow this out of proportion. But could it affect their players if you have? Because in theory, you could have Laws, Hartley, Haskell um, playing for a team that, if they are losing, which I'm by no means saying they will be doing all the time, that could affect the England players. 
But on the flip side, Gloucester, Gloucester are top four team this year. With Danny Cipriani, they're top four team. And Danny Cipriani has now made that 10 shirt. He is, he, he's in the 10 shirt for England. George Ford didn't have a great game. No. Unless. No, I mean, Cipriani. Will, Just that will, part. Will, well, in five games. Will, will people be, be looking at that and saying, you know, his, his recent outing for England, there was that one moment of magic. This game against Gloucester, everyone's looking at this moment of magic. You know, are we going to see just playing devil's advocate? Are we going to start seeing critics saying, "Well, yeah, he's got that one moment of magic in him," but it, you know, does he have the full package? Um, oh, he he had a good game. He had a good game all round. Yeah, I mean, it, both of us agree. We we want to see him in an England shirt. That's, this isn't me saying that I that I disagree. I'm just uh, posing the question. Devil's advocate, exactly. For you little rascal. Um. um any any but other kind of things from the Premiership that that stand out? No, I, 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 mean, I, guys... think, I think if you've mentioned it, like um, so, the flanker thing has become interesting. That's the other thing. So uh, Underhill, actually, although Bath was shocking, quite frankly, like you look at the Bath team, they should be awesome, but they were shit. But Underhill did all right, actually, um, and he's looking good. So the Macvesic extra was awesome. And um, he's bulked up. But Rob Baxter said he's the first name on the team sheet at the moment, like his pre-season. He is a potential runner for uh, an England spot. If he, if he plays like that week in, week out, you can't ignore him. Uh, you've obviously got the Curry brothers who both played. Yeah. Um, so sevens, we've got, you know, a few coming through. And another person, actually for Bath again, weirdly enough, who were quite shit. And he didn't have a great game, but not a bad game, but he just looks good. Dave Atwood in the second row. Well, yeah. He we could make the charge. We know he's got eyes on him, so although second yeah. row is probably not one of the areas that we're desperately looking we for, for, no, but, for new blood, but, but that, there's never a bad problem to have. Yeah, as, as long as you um, can still pick the best, the best two and make it work. Sam Arrow and Jay Launchbury, that probably well, Courtney. I yeah, I I I start. I've still got Marrow and Jay Launchbury starting. And then. How did Marrow get on? I don't know, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I, I, so not, I not need, badly. I, I need I to be seeing big things from him this season. He, no, he, in he fact, does. no, that's not even that's not even accurate because he was he was epic for Sarri's last season. He, we need to be seeing end, big he, things from him in an England shirt. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. He needs to, like, I don't know, get get rid of whatever that. Uh, that thing is that he has that just has somehow stopped him from being as good for England as he is for Saracens, and turn yeah. it around because yeah. it's not it's not like he's jinxed by an you know an England shirt because when he first came on the scene he was he was awesome for England. Um, Ripping up roads. We just yeah he needs to f- switch it back on again. Um, but yeah, looking forward yeah, to seeing that. So um, yeah, that that'll be. That'll be interesting. Hopefully, um, Marrow can get um, sort of get that moving, get that going. Uh, Lewington for Saracens looked good, but Leicester. This is the thing, actually. I am jumping around a lot here, but Leicester backs. So we're saying about England. I'm going to Manu here. Manu Tulagi. I didn't touch a ball for like half hour, and when he did, he's looking strong, right? He is looking. I mean, he had a few runs where you're like, hello. He's, well, he's we know we know man. Eddie. We know Eddie likes that, and has said on numerous occasions that Manny Tuolangi is the kind of guy that that can 
break a New Zealand defence and, and create problems for them. So He's, why do Leicester kick the ball away every time? They've got... Know. Think about Leicester's backs and all they do is kick it away. I, I can't maybe, believe it. Maybe they're protecting him. Maybe they don't want him to get the ball because they don't want him getting injured. And just, and just, like, just, uh, having, hey, just having him on the pitch draws in an extra man. So like you, you don't get the ball. We don't want you running with the ball. You just you just run around on the field, and people will will kind of cover you, and that way we open up a gap somewhere else. Yeah, and just every now and again we'll just use you to smash and hurt people. And for the love of God, don't jump off any more boats. <laughs> but he is, mate. I, I I have nothing factual basis on. I've got a feeling about man this year. I think this is man's year. Yeah, I think he's going to be have a good year. Turn like up to World that. Cup. Let's like need to start playing using their players because they've got awesome players. And yeah, if they I, start using I them, think, I think the important thing to remember is that it's game one. Um, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't set the tone for the Premiership. Um, so you know, lots still to see. I'm sh- it'll be like last season where this sort of thing happened, and we were going, "Oh no, what about this? What about that?" And then literally the following week, the the other teams all you know, it was the other way around. I've given myself a license to do that now. I've allowed myself. Oh, you, and, you, and so you should. But um, I'm Thank just saying, you. Yeah, next week we may well be saying, oh, you know, and pointing fingers at all the teams that won this week, this weekend. So we shall see what happens. And hopefully, and I hope we do, because it keeps it interesting then, you know, keeps people on their toes. And it means that the players are learning and from, from what's happening and, and reacting to it, which is what we want. That's the key, isn't it? Is that they don't get kind of bogged down in, in, result, in the results. You know, and they, and they find a way to turn it around and come back stronger. Yeah, yeah, no, and and it's good. And going back to Felix's thing, I want the the England boys, and and as a lot of the uh, sort of you know main pundits have been said, there is just an edge to this season because of the World Cup. <laughs> so people are just putting in that bit more, which is great. Um, but there's a few people who do need to stand up. Well, we, um, we will certainly be keeping an eye out for them and reporting yeah. um, where where is necessary. Um, before we finish up, quick, quick. Talk. I've, I've got a few more points. Oh, but oh, I'm gonna go okay. Go on then. Crack on. Um, so I, I will go quickly. This is looking at England as a whole. So I want to do so just to go. So Eddie Jones, I quite like this. I had a chat with Tony Spedbury, the head of referees, about the breakdown area. Um, he wants the referees to make that more competitive. Because as we found last out, out last year in the Six Nations, the Premiership didn't compete the breakdown, whereas everyone else in the world did. And then in the Six Nations, we just got pushed off the ball because they were competing, we weren't. So I think Eddie's been quite smart doing that. Mm-hmm. Having a chat and saying, can you, you know, can you rest that, allow that to be a competition? But now I'm going to sort of go against Eddie. So... There, there just seems to be something a bit wrong in that camp at the moment. But not necessarily. A lot of the staff have left, be it like Kitman or something. And I, I'm using that. I'm pretty sure Kitman did leave. You look at Paul Gustard, he's left. And fair enough, different job. But it looks like John Mitchell's coming in as the defence coach, um, which is going to cost a fortune, whatever. I don't care about that. But he's not having a great record with things at the moment. Sean Edwards applied for a job. He said this himself. He applied for a job and just got dismissed. I don't understand how Sean Edwards doesn't get that over John Mitchell. Uh, Andy Farrell was apparently offered the job and turned it down, which I completely get. Yeah. Because he's with Ireland and they're doing great things. And Eddie already got rid of him once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
it's um but i understand i'm, I'm sure andy Farrell doesn't have that much an ego i'm sure if it was right he would have taken it but i don't john mitchell so somebody mentioned this i can't, I can't remember even mentioned or i read it somewhere so i looked into it he i don't understand what he's bringing to the table Maybe I think he's just on board with the Sabedi mentality, but his record as a defence coach of recent times is actually quite poor. Mm. So I, I, I was just a little concerned. So I, I, I don't know because maybe the cultural thing is a big part, but and maybe they've sort of had a chat and there's a specific way they want to play the defence, and maybe that's not how John Mitchell's current team plays, but John Mitchell's an expert at implementing that. I don't know, but. I'm a little worried about that. We still don't have an attack coach. No. Hopefully that's not Eddie just, trying to, trying to yeah, pretend he's looking and actually wants the job himself and no, he hasn't. Uh... No, so what, what, what was the guy's name? Was it Wiseman or something who did it for South Africa? But not with few success, if we're honest, did he? No. Like our attack is a bit stale, so whether he's the answer, I don't know. But I don't really understand why this is all taking so long. I kind of get it is bizarre, isn't it? You, you you would you would expect people would would be jumping to to join the England setup, um, apart, yeah. from, apart from anything else, just with the amount of money that we've got, uh, and therefore have the ability to pay them. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's yes, it's an interesting one. It's it's frustrating, um, but I guess I guess for you know we don't need someone until until we actually get together again and start training again. So the key thing well, is that they have someone in time for, for when actually the players come together. You know, you bring someone yeah, on now, they're not going to do anything until they, they come well, together. They, but time's running out. Yeah, time is running out because they, they need to be completely sort of embedded within the setup so that when the players are there, it's not a case of them still finding their way. They can say, right, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And this is how, because also, I'm, I, I and I don't know this, so I, I have no idea. Is John Mitchell and Paul Gassard, are they going to have a similar defence pattern? If not, do England have time to learn? New? It's just, I think I'm overcomplicating it, but it is a bit of a worry. I don't disagree, mate. I don't disagree. Um, that, was all, that was all I had. Huh? And that was all I had. Sorry, it sounds like I'm boring you. No, no, I thought you said you had a few things you wanted to talk about. Um, no, so, so I sort of pulled them into one. So it was with, with the ref, with Tony Swedley, oh, about fine. the staff, about the sort of coaches. And what yeah. about uh, New Zealand? Um, yeah, I mean, not mate, just saying that they are looking very good. So this is a huge, a huge test will be to see how England and Ireland get on against New Zealand in the autumn, because New Zealand are just looking so good at the moment. Um, and good, we need to test it, because we're going to win the World Cup. So we need to understand what we need to be. Do do we think that? I mean, I, I do we? I I know I do think that New Zealand. Well, any of the Southern Hemisphere teams that are that seem to be kind of firing. They're well, actually that's probably not fair because South Africa probably doesn't really fit into that. But certainly, like Australia and New Zealand, you see these massive score lines and and you know the result. I mean, you said you told me that the the New Zealand press were putting out. Releases saying, "Yeah, you just give us the World Cup now. It's it's as good as a done deal." And and how are the New Zealand rugby players so like humble and nice, and their press is such dickheads? Oh yeah, no, I know. Uh, but but like, is there an you know, 
I, I mentioned to you the other week, uh, sorry, earlier this week when we were talking about this, um, Northern Hemisphere teams don't tend to get dicked by New Zealand. Yeah, the, the, the top teams, yeah. Sure, they lose. Um, but they don't get dicked, whereas Australia goes out, you know, goes up against them and, and has these kinds of results where it's massively uh, high scoring uh, and they get hammered. Northern Hemisphere teams, see, I, I'd, I don't think I, England and Ireland do, but actually they can put a fair bit on like Wales and France when they play them. Not always. But, uh, but they can. Yeah, but my, my point England is, and Ireland it's, it's clearly a different... No, I agree. It's clearly a different style of rugby and clearly the way that the Northern Hemisphere play, generally speaking, doesn't you know, gift as many opportunities, at least not for the high-scoring tries. Um, so, you know, what is that? What is that thing? What are we doing differently to, to say, Australia that means that New Zealand aren't able to score 10 tries in a I match? Mean, we, we play a tighter game. I mean, Australia have got some absolutely quality players, but to me, and this is just, Australia seems to be trying to play the same game as New Zealand. You can't do that. You're not going to beat them at their game. They are too good. I think they're the best sporting team ever um, at the moment, the way they're playing. So, whereas I think the Northern Hemisphere, if you look at England Island, they put on like a really sort of quick press defence. They keep it a lot tighter. Whereas Australia play a bit looser, but they're just, I mean, that's just them, isn't it? I mean, and that, then that's the key, right? Barrett scores four tries and I think had one disallowed. Who the hell was four but, tries? But that's the key. It's 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 having eighty minutes of not giving up, uh, yeah. kind of gifted opportunities, um, and just biding your time and waiting for the opportunity to present itself to you. You know, when you've got someone like a Johnny May who could do what a Johnny May can do, um, you know, to name one player on the England side. If England can keep New Zealand from scoring too many points and from and from running away with the game we know we've got the players with the quality to you know score points England can beat New Zealand England can, England can beat New Zealand but New Zealand are a bit like New Zealand I think wins 7 out of 10 maybe okay so eight. final question for you then Autumn Internationals we're obviously playing New Zealand that's the big one what's acceptable from an England perspective Obviously, we want to win. Yeah, obviously. But but you see, I think the loss is acceptable as long as we're just not completely dominated in all areas. So so we must compete in all areas. So points wise, so the ability to score points, taking taking points when they're on offer, making the right decisions, that all that kind of stuff. So yes, that in in actual fact, I'd almost rather we lost because we made wrong decisions. That can be fixed. What I don't want to see is us been in the game because our defence was so good that day, but their attack completely outplayed us. I, we need to, like, in attack, in defence, we need to be competing in all areas. And, you know, because it would really worry me if it's like New Zealand is so much better than us that this is this, because it's just not really the time to fix it. So I want us to be, I'm not saying be as good as them, but be to a level where it'll be like on our day, we can be better than them in attack, in defence, or whatever it is. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. So, so basically, yeah, we we, we it, it can't be even if we do lose, which we which we don't think is going to happen. <laughs> Touching a lot of wooden things. Yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Um, but but if we do lose, for, for it not to be a kind of foregone conclusion with 
a quarter of the game still to go, basically. You know, England yeah, needs, to be, yeah. needs to be in it. There needs to be, we need to kind of have hope and, you know, realistic belief that it's still possible, you know, right up until the end, if it does turn out to be a loss. Yeah, it can't be an heroic loss because we just fought for every tackle and made it hard. It's got to be... Yeah, we don't want to be camped on our try line for 20 minutes and just manage to keep them out. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah. they win by three because that might be, you know, nice to say well, what's good defence, but it's clearly not good enough to to win a game. We need to be able to show that we can take New Zealand cards. Well. We need to be able to show that even if we don't score loads of times, we need to be able to show that... On our day, we can we can and, sort of and, rise you know historically the, the way that you do that to New Zealand is you put them under pressure. You know they don't it doesn't happen yeah. very often. It's something they're not particularly well drilled for is being put under pressure, being put on the back foot. Um, we know from experience that when England has done that in the past, that's when they've won. Yeah, because New and, Zealand and suddenly find themselves Ireland in a in a pretty difficult. Well. Yeah, exactly. New Zealand suddenly find themselves in a in a an unusual situation and that they're not. They're not really prepared for, uh, which kind of is why I was saying about the, the style of gameplay. You know, they're so used to just running tries in for fun that it's almost like yeah. that's that's the only way they know how to play. And that, that sounds, you know, they're, they're obviously unbelievably good at doing it. But if you can somehow stick a spanner in the works there, uh, I think you create opportunities by taking them a little bit by surprise. And, and at that point, that's when you need a world-class attack. You know, combined with a world class defence, in order to say, you know, we're now going to take advantage of the opportunities that you're gifting us, and that's the other key thing, isn't it? Is when the opportunities present themselves, it's taking them. Yeah, and yeah, I agree don't, with that. Don't, don't leave anything. Don't leave anything on the on the field, basically. Yeah, some of the decisions on the Premiership this weekend, Bath gave away like Tom Homer. He, he ran over the line and he went to put the ball down and knocked it on like. That was just a, a, a silly mistake. It's nothing wrong. But they had so many kickable points that they just didn't take. So I would, it was really going to annoy me if England do that. Mm. Well, I, I think that but with I, Dylan Hartley back and Owen Farrell, we've talked about it before, but Owen Farrell back being the, you know, the fly half, the, the fly half, the, um, the, kicker. Kicker, the kicker, you know, with someone who can tell him what to do. I just, I think, I think Dylan Hartley has that a mentality to kind of, Say, yep, we want points, or or to know when the right call is to go for the corner. Alan Farrell can just do what he's asked to do. I think that will be yeah. good. I think there's less, yeah. Well, I, fingers crossed, we don't see uh, silly silly calls. Um, but yeah, we shall we shall see. Well, look, that's probably that's probably a good place to stop because we've uh, we've droned on for a little while, and and we could go on for another hour, but we're not going to. Um, we'll save some of it for for the next episode, but um, which will be next week, we promise. <laughs> it will be yes, uh, but yeah, I think that, um, um, another good one there. Um, yeah, guys, thanks so much good, for good to know, guys. Thanks, Bob. yeah, we, thanks for sticking with us. Um, and uh, and if you've got questions, I was just about to say it like that. Oh, well. Mate, it's a joy. We bring joy to them. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> yeah, enjoying what we're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back hopefully Tuesday, Wednesday next week uh, with another instalment. If you've got questions, um, ping them over in, on an email. Uh, it's englandrugbypod at gmail.com. Um, you can also get in touch with us on social media. We're at England Rugby Pod on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. So, uh, so yeah, uh, get in touch. Tell us what you think. Don't forget to head over to iTunes, drop us a rating, drop us a review, um, and we will catch you guys next week.